0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this series titled Searching. It's based off the fact that there's 8.5 billion searches a day on Google, and that's just the largest search engine, but there's tons more. There's Siri, and people are searching. They're searching for all kinds of things, so we thought... What, what do Christians search for? What are some things Christians need to know about? And last week we talked about search for significance, had a blast. Today we're going to talk about search for a church. And obviously the majority of you listening, you feel believers is your church, so I, I get that, but it's going to go way beyond that, and we're going to talk about what a church should be why God created church, what church is all about, and just have a great time as we do. So COVID, like many uh, many of us, it just taught us some things, right, guys? And for us pastors, you know, we were out for about three months here in the Valley, and then we came back, and then folks with comorbidities, they protected themselves, but the ones that could come back came back. But we learned something as a result of walking through COVID. And one of the things we learned is we weren't doing a great job as pastors, helping people understand the purpose of church. And so I thought, what an opportunity. And I told my wife as I was preparing this, I said, you know, uh, we'll be at church 40 years here, and I've had the pleasure of pastoring believers for 40 years, and August will be our anniversary, guys. And I told her, I just feel like I was born for this lesson, so I'm really, really excited about this lesson, and it's going to help all of us. And one of the first things we want to make sure we all understand is that God created the local church. It's a, it's a God creation. As a matter of fact, there's three books in your Bible that were not written to you, and God's purpose wasn't for you to read them. They were literally written to pastors and to leaders. That would be 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. I would encourage you to read them, but it's literally God giving pastors instructions about this thing called the local church and why it's so important. And one of the things I know I did in the early days is I read a lot of scriptures in the Bible, and I would classify them as the universal church, and what I mean by the universal church is Jesus is the head of the church, and all the Christians in China, in Russia, in Iran, you name the country, we're all brothers and sisters, right? We're part of the body. Even if our governments don't get along, us Christians are brothers and sisters. We're all part of that universal church. But the majority of the time, when the Bible talks about The church, it's talking about local churches, not just 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus, But all throughout the New Testament, God's talking about this thing called the local church. It's something he created. So I wanna have some fun with this and uh, talk about something that I believe will give all of us even a higher purpose. I realize every time I teach a subject, there are people in the uh, listening that know this subject very well. So my goal for you, like it is for myself, is just let's let's take ourselves to the next level. Then there's folks that are gonna hear some of this for the first time, and it's always fun when you... Uh, discover something in the Bible for the first time. So uh, in case you're visiting, I have a big idea. This is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. The local church is God's creation for your protection, connection, and function. So God made the local church. He created it. It's something he did, which means he also created the gift of a pastor and all the other gifts. Why did he create the local church? Well, Three main reasons. One would be for your protection. One would be for your connection. And one would be for your function. So we wanna go through and we wanna talk about these things. And let's talk about the first one. It's right here. I put it this way. The local church provides a personal shepherd for your protection. And guys, if you go to a smaller church, that shepherd or that pastor, the Bible uses them interchangeably, it's gonna be the guy speaking up here, right? It's gonna be the head pastor. If you go to a larger church, uh, you're gonna have under shepherds, leaders in the church. But whether you like a small church, a medium-sized church, a large church, There's shepherds in all of them, and and guys, the shepherds exist to protect you. Uh, They're the ones that will leave the 99 and go after the one. What if somebody strays? What if somebody walks away? What if someone is wounded or hurt? It's the shepherd's job to leave the 99 and to go after those people, right? And our goal and our job is to protect. And a lot of that protection is done one-on-one, a lot of that protection's done during the week, and then some of it's done on a weekend when we teach the word of God. Uh, The shepherd feeds the flock, right, and God calls you his flock, and there's a protection in the teaching too, so I thought I'd talk just a little bit about protection, and then I really want to get into connection and function, but listen to Titus 1.5, written to Pastor Titus. The reason I left you in Crete, the reason I, Paul, left you in Crete, was that you might put into order what was left on finish, and appoint elders in every town. Now, the word elder is presbyteros. You do not have to remember it. We derive our English word presbyter from it. and It just means a spiritual overseer in this context. It's interchanged with bishop and pastor and shepherd. So he says, I wanted you to finish something, put things in order. And God says things aren't in order until there's a pastor in at least one pastor in every city, as I directed you. And so churches are God's way of having order for his kingdom or for his people. And I remember one of my mentors years ago, he's now in heaven, and when he was a young guy, he pastored in McKinney, Texas. And if you're familiar with McKinney, um, that's before it was part of the Dallas Metroplex. I mean, that's when there were miles and miles of fields, right? Now the two Places just connect. But he was, uh, you know, from a denomination and he was pastoring there. He was the only church in his denomination. Then his denomination began to send some other pastors to start churches in McKinney. And he was mad, so he spoke to his overseer and he said, Hey, hey, I'm already here, man. We don't need anybody else. There's plenty of churches here. Plant these churches somewhere else. And his overseer said this, which I think is fascinating. He said, you know, if you're the only pastor in this community, on Judgment Day, you'll be responsible for every soul. So he said, bring more churches, bring more churches, right? Yeah, I think a community needs as many churches as we have. As a matter of fact, if all the Christians actually went to church and then we reach the people in the world, we don't have enough room. We don't have enough churches. So every time a new church springs up, I'm excited. And I I know we have a call, so we just do our thing. And then if somebody else starts, it's all good, guys. Our goal, though, is to protect, right? We want to protect the sheep and we want to feed the sheep. So listen to 2 Timothy 4.1. Again, Pastor Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view, in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I believe appearing's talking about the rapture, kingdoms when he come, sets up his kingdom. He says, I give you this charge. So now he's given a charge to all pastors. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. In other words, man, you you have to have a good demeanor, you can't become angry, and you have to be meticulous. You have to say, here's what the word says, here's what the word says, and be as meticulous as you can. But he says sometimes there's correcting, sometimes there's rebuking, and always there's encouraging. I think from experience, most correcting, most rebuking is something that happens one-on-one. You try not to embarrass anybody. But every now and then a teaching can be corrective, right? This teaching will have a little bit of correctiveness to it for some that maybe are not on path. And so I pray, man, open your hearts and allow me to do my thing. Listen to this, uh, verse three for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. So doctrine is systematic teaching. Uh, There's the doctrine of sanctification, the doctrine of the blood of Jesus. It's just systematic teaching. So he says there'll come a time when people won't pay attention to sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And I have heard so many sermons on itching ears, my ears are itching from the amount of sermons I heard on itching ears. And usually it's the guy that is coming against somebody that teaches something a little different than him, right? So I'm gonna do my best not to do anything like that, guys. But I thought this was interesting. Look at the verse again. People will gather a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Uh, When I preached this in the 80s, I couldn't figure out how people would do this. When I preached it in the 90s, I couldn't figure out how people would do it. I'm like, that's impossible. And then they created the internet. And I thought, oh, God was prophesying the internet here. You might say, you can't prove that. And I'd say, you're right, but you can't disprove it, right? So uh, I really think God was talking about the internet here. Uh, It's the only way it can happen. And here's what I like about my experience. I preached before the internet and I am preaching after the internet. And it does add some complications because there's so many voices out there, right? And I think it's good. I think it's good for people to listen to different voices. But pastors really have to man up and and say some things uh, and say, guys, you know, uh, I don't agree with this, and here's why. Not attacking people, but just saying, hey, I think this is right, and this isn't right. And So uh, you really have to deal with a lot more than you had to back in the 80s and in the 90s. So, so, so listen to this, verse four and five. Uh, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. So that's really serious, and sometimes it's not that serious. But you, Pastor Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Be cool, Right? Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. That means make sure your church is reaching souls and discharge all the duties of your ministry. So he's saying, be a pastor, right? And part of being a pastor is guys sometimes teaching things and saying, hey, guys, here's why I believe this way. Here's why I don't believe this way. And it's amazing as you you watch that. So since I pastored believers, almost 40 years now, guys, do you know how many teachings came out that Jesus is coming back this year? A lot. It started in 88, and this guy wrote a book, uh, 88 Reasons for the Rapture in 1988, and this is before the internet, so it spread through our church, and people are giving me the book saying, look at this, you should teach this. So I read it, and I said, guys, no, No, and I had to stand up and say, no, no, he's not coming in 88. And so I I think I said that in September, but I had to wait till December 31st, right? Because some people said, we're not gonna believe that. And then he didn't come. But this guy, he was crazy. He went ahead (laughs) and he wrote a book the next year, 89 Reasons for the Rapture in 1989. And some people still believed it, you know? And I'm telling people, guys, Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, and he said this, not even myself, the son, but only the father. That's crazy. He says, only God the Father knows. So guys, I have heard so many messages, and and some of them are fun, end times is always fun, right? It's good, it's not terrible, it's not gonna destroy your faith, but guys, after a while, I think what happens is people become discouraged because it's like crying wolf, and how many times can you cry wolf, right? I, I had a mentor who said, uh, that, that he used to say who the Antichrist would be. So he picked Mussolini, and then he said Mussolini died. And then he picked Hitler, and then Hitler died. And he said, they kept killing my Antichrist. So so, so he said he just stopped, right? And I know I know if I look at the time we're living in, it's the last days. There's no doubt about it, but guys... Jesus is gonna surprise the world. We don't know when he's coming. And I think sometimes when people say when he's coming, I honestly think he just kind of smiles. God the Father smiles and says, I'm gonna wait till that date's over. Then maybe I'll come. I'm not gonna give them credit, right? And and guys, now I'm I'm gonna get a little tough, but direct, right? And I'll show you why in a scripture in a moment, but uh, the 2020 election, right? The prophets came out and said, you know, God said Donald Trump would win the election, and so people wanted me to say it, and I would say to people behind closed doors, God doesn't tell prophets who's gonna win an election. It's just not something he does, right? And, and of course, very few people believe me, so then he doesn't win, so what's the, the next thing they say? They say, well, that's because they cheated, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. God stands above time, he knows the beginning, all the way to the end and the devil pulled the fast one on God. God God said Trump would win, but the devil cheated or had them cheat. And so he fooled God. Guys, that's crazy. You can't fool God. God would have known they were going to cheat, right? And so I was just telling people, guys, come on, let's No, he's not going to tell us. And it's like guessing if you're going to have a boy or a girl. I always do that at baby showers with my kids. And I always say, the Lord told me it's going to be a boy. And then it never is. But I figure (laughs) if it is, everyone's going to think, oh, he's so spiritual. But guys, I'm really not. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Here's, in my opinion, one of the things you really need a pastor for. Guys, we're walking through some crazy times right now as a nation, and you need a pastor to stand up, and it takes guts and say, guys, here's what the Bible says about gender. This is what the Bible says. In the beginning, he created male and female, right? This is what the Bible says. It's not popular. This is what God says about sexuality. It's never popular. But you got you, you just got to man up and say, I'm going to say what the Bible says. And I'm just going to encourage you guys, because I mean, I'm just Pastor Joe, right? But if, if you feel called to believers, I want to make you a promise. It, I will do my best to teach the Bible in a balanced way, not to take it out of context. And if you don't hear me teaching something, it's probably because I don't agree with it. So that's why you're not hearing anything, right? But here's what I'm dealing with, and I wanna close with this thought on this subject. It goes like this, Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. This is spiritual authority, so we're not controlling your life in, in natural ways. But listen to this. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit for you. So here's what I want to emphasize. This is all about me. I have to keep watch over your souls and I have to give an account to Jesus someday. So can you imagine me standing before Jesus and Jesus saying, Joe, you know when you taught search for a church and you pulled back, you had it in your notes, but you didn't talk about the prophets. You wimped out, Joe. And he's going to, I'm gonna have to give an account, right? And so I, I have come to the place at this stage in this age where I'm, I'm just gonna teach the truth, but I, know, I think I know how to do it in a nice way, right? So I might have ruffled some feathers. Pray for me this week. Say, Father, if Pastor Joe is wrong, show him, and, and say this too, and if I'm wrong, show me, and we'll all be happy. Guys, here's the next part, you ready? The local church provides a place for your connection and your function. This is, in my opinion, so important. God created you to connect to a local body, and he created you to have a function. And when you understand this, church becomes fun. Can I tell you what? What we're about to just talk about in the next couple minutes. If you don't understand it, church will bore you, I will bore you, and you will come to a place where you say, you know what? I heard all that guy's stories, I'm gonna find me another church, right? And you just won't be happy because if you think church is just me up here with a message, it's just a very small part of church, right? That's why video campuses work like in Boardman. They work because this is a small percentage of what church is, it's important, but it's a small percentage. Worship, as important as it is, it's still a small percentage. You know what the the most important thing is about church? Your connection and your function, what you do, what God created you to do, that's the most important part of church. And so uh, I want you to ask yourself a question as we continue on. Did, did God create you to spectate or to participate? And then I wanna show you what function's all about. This really changed my life when I began to see it clearly. So let's read a couple of verses, 1 Corinthians twelve twelve. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So he's comparing us to the human body, and we have fingers and toes and, and eyes and ears and organs and, and joints and all those things. And he says, just as the human body has those things, so does the body of Christ. And then verses 13 all the way through 26 are amazing, Time, time's sake, I can't read them, but listen to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So this is in universal, guys. He's writing to a local church, and this is the local church, and we're all part of it. Listen to what he says to the local church in Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11. He also gave apostles and prophets and missionaries or evangelists, as well as pastors and teachers, as gifts to his church. So were the gifts? Oh, can I tell you a quick prophet story? I had it, I, I, I jotted down to say it, but we had Alan Hickman in here you know last year, and, and he stands in that office of a prophet, and he was amazing what he did, what he spoke to people. But I was at a leadership pastor's meeting with him uh, in February, and Pastor Joe Jr. and Aaron were there too, and at uh, the last night of the meeting we just turn him loose and we say just do profit things, and so he walks around and just pulls people out and does profit things, and he walks up to this young lady, she's gotta be 28 to 30, and she looks like the picture of health, and I had met her parents, but I never went up and talked to her, but she's here, and I'm here, and Pastor Joe Jr. and Aaron are right behind me on a table, and he walks up to her, and here's what he says to her. Stand up, young lady says do you have cancer and I'm like I'm like nervous for him like oh no what if she doesn't oh no Alan it's gonna ruin your life oh no I'm so nervous for you and he just says do you have cancer and and I didn't she looked so healthy I I was shocked she broke down crying and said yes I do and I'm like whoa God is cool and then he ministered to her and prayed for her for that cancer to die and leave her body and Alan called me two weeks ago just to say hello. And he says, oh, by the way, I forget the girl's name, but he said her parents called me and she went to the doctors and she's 100% cancer free. Guys, can we say thank you, God? I needed to say that because I love the prophets. I just don't want to know who's going to win the presidency, okay? So, so, so here we go, here we go, right, right, guys? Um, verse 12, Their purpose is to prepare God's people. So so here's our purpose. That's why we bring different gifts here. Um, To prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. So, so everything I do is to prepare you for your function. Your function is serving, right? When you serve, that's your function. And, and it goes on in verse 16, and verses 13, 14, and 15 are also really good. But verse 16 reads He makes the whole body fit together and unites it through the support of every joint, as each and every part that's you. Each and every part does its job. Now he's calling your function serving, now he's calling it your job. That just means you were created to do something, right? He makes the body to grow so it builds itself up in love. And again, this isn't universal, this is local. Guys, God created you to connect. And I just want you to imagine the human body. Can we all agree that if, if unfortunately I lost a finger, I could carry it around with me. I could put it at home on a shelf. Can we all agree it's gonna die if it's not connected to my body? And and Christians that aren't connected, you're slowly dying, but you don't know it. You're slowly dying, and you're not able to fulfill your purpose. If you're not attached, you can't fulfill your purpose. And so coming through COVID, I began to realize that and just say, whoa, God, I did a terrible job on this. And I need to just begin to teach it from a different perspective. And then this is the most amazing thing. Listen to this. The best way to approach our function is from the perspective of being a priest. Now I wrote, I wrote in bold red with yellow highlight, uh, and, and I'm gonna come back to that. I wrote moms. Moms, can I talk to you for a minute? You ha- if you're a mom with young children, God knows you can only do so much, right? Uh, Gina and I had four kids. I know what happens when they're young. We're watching our our children with their young kids. You're, you're, You're in a season, right? So don't condemn yourself, right? If you can connect in a mom's connect group or pray at home a little bit extra while you're doing the things that you do so wonderfully with your family, maybe you can come and you can help in children's church once a month or so. But God knows you're busy. For those of you that are shut in, God knows you're shut in. For those of you that are in a place in life where it's just a lot going on, God knows it, but make sure you don't use it for an excuse, right? But here again, I have to read this again. It says, the best way to approach our function, that's what we do for God, is from the perspective of being a priest. And this is so important. You know, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, they had... One, one tribe out of 12, one of the 12 tribes were the Levites and they were the priests. They only had one tribe as priest. And what the priests did is they did all the work of the tabernacle, the temple. And so they cut wood for the sacrifices. They baked bread. Uh, They cleaned it. When they were in the wilderness for 40 years, they tore it down, carried it on their backs, set it back up, right? They just did all these things, offered the sacrifices. They were the priests. But here's what's cool, guys. In our covenant, God said, I'm not gonna just make one group the priest. It's not gonna just be Joe and pastors and five-fold ministry gifts. I'm gonna create everyone and turn them into a priest. And it changes everything when you see it. Listen to this. First Peter 2, 5, and I'm speaking to a group of priests right now. Guys, you're biblical New Testament priests. So don't think about how you think of a priest maybe in another religion. Guys, you are a priest. And the Bible says this. You also like living stones. Stones build something, right? And we build the house of God, are being built into a spiritual house. This isn't universal. This is local church. And so each of us is a building block and God's building us into a spiritual house. So we have the building in Bourbon, we have the building here in Warren and churches all over the valley have beautiful buildings. But guys, he's talking about us and we are spiritual rocks and we're alive and we're building this spiritual house. And notice this, to be a holy priesthood. God says every one of us are part of a priesthood. Listen to this, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Sacrifices are, are, are plural, right? And guys, everything we do in God, and I'll talk about it in a moment, is, is, is a sacrifice. It's, it's like uh, sacrificing incense and it goes up to heaven. Everything we do for God. Listen to verse nine and six, seven, and eight are great too, time's sake, I can't look at them. Verse nine, but you are a chosen people called out by God. A royal priesthood. You're not just a Christian. You are, but you're not just a Christian. You're a royal priesthood. You are a priest, a royal priest of the Most High God. That's holy and special. We're a holy nation. God's special possession. Isn't that awesome? We're his kids. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So let's talk a little bit about this. I'm excited about it. It is so powerful. Every one of us is so valuable in the eyes of God. So guys, when we worship, it's not just a song service. What are we doing? In worship, I know it was the same in Boardman, here in Warren. It was just amazing today. And, and guys, what are we doing when we sing? We're literally offering up a spiritual sacrifice to God. It's literally going to heaven right? And we want it to come out of here. And I always encourage people, let it come out of here. But you know what? That's true of everything. When you give, your giving is literally a spiritual sacrifice going up to heaven. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 that Jesus literally receives our gifts In heaven, Well, the money stays here, right? But it's a spiritual incense, a sacrifice that goes to heaven. Let me ask you a question. Doesn't that change worship? Doesn't that change giving? In other words, uh, I I say this to you guys a lot. I get to do it twice a weekend at 9 and 11. And I love that part of the service because I'm taking a moment to just worship God with what I give, even though I give electronically and it comes in on its own. What a beautiful thing, everything we do, everybody that serves, everywhere you serve, whatever you do, our Connect Group leaders, this is Connect Group weekend, you get into a Connect Group, everything people are doing all over uh, believers and Borman here in Warren, guys, it's part of our priesthood and it's a spiritual sacrifice that's going up to heaven. And it's just one of the most amazing things that you and I can do. And it changes everything. Let me tell you from experience, right? If you see it as an obligation, and that's how I saw it before I was a pastor, and that's how I saw it in my early pastorate. It was just an obligation, right? And, and, and I'm the kind of guy that, I mean, if you tell me it's an obligation, I'll do it. That's just, I was raised Catholic. Catholics will do it just because we're supposed to, right? And, and so I did everything out of obligation. Um, and, and then when your eyes are open and you realize, wait a minute. I don't do this because I have to. I get to. This is a sacrifice. In Hebrews 13 says we sacrifice praise and then it says we sacrifice other things. I'm just offering up sacrifices to heaven. This is amazing. So when you serve, whatever you do, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. But you know what? You can't function unless you're connected. Connected. We can't go after the one and leave the 99 if we don't know who the one is, right? Um, It's it's all, guys, us realizing I was called to connect and I am called to operate in a function and everything I do is a worship to the Lord. It's a sacrifice. I don't know about you, maybe it's just me. I just feel really kind of good, man. Can we just give it up to God? This is good. So I'm going to say it one more time. I will bore you eventually. I will. I mean, I only have so many stories. I keep trying to create new ones. I try to get into trouble, create a new one here and there. Just created one the other day, so you'll hear it eventually. It's too new to have you hear it. Like, you're going to go, what, you did that? But in a couple years, I'll say, "Uh, years ago I did this, right? So so, so guys, here's a good book. It really changed my life. It's amazing. It's called Killer Church. And if you want to read a good book or listen to it on audio, he really deals with the priesthood in here, chapter three. And I meticulously went over it, but obviously I didn't have time to cover everything. But the whole rest of the book is amazing. And it just helps you understand the concept of church. Um, We need to pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, I thank you for every person listening to my voice. Lord, I trust I was encouraging. And I also realize I'm... Father, teaching truth, and sometimes that maneuvers us and shows us, hey, I need to change the way I'm thinking. And so, Father, with our heads bowed, our hearts open, man, we thank you that you made us part of the church. We thank you that you made us a priest in the house of God. Wow. We thank you that we're not just doing things, we thank you that we're offering sacrifices to the God who saved us and set us free. And Father, just open up our eyes further as we go through this beautiful week you're going to give us. And Lord, we ask you speak to our hearts. And there's many of you listening right now. God's nudging your hearts, man. He's just nudging you. And I just encourage you, take some time this week and just ask God, man, where's my function? Make some quality decisions and let God use you as a priest and begin to offer those sacrifices. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, maybe you came today in Boardman, maybe online, maybe at TCI, maybe here in Warren, and you're not sure if you're forever. You know, the Bible says so boldly, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, he'll save them. He died so you can live. God raised him out of the grave so you can have eternal life. And if you're listening to me right now and you say, Pastor Joe, I never thought I'd feel this way, but I'm ready to accept Christ as my Savior. I want to receive that forgiveness and I want to receive that spiritual gift that's going to enable me to connect and have a function. And If you're listening, and you say, that's me. Would you pray with me right now? Just say this after me in Boardman here in Warren, TCI. Let's help them pray, right? Say, Father, I realize I was born sin stained and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe God raised you out of that grave. I accept you as my savior and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give.